Welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast, fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle programs created for your goals and your reality. No magic pills, no judgments, and no time to waste. Let's get into it. What is up? My name is Justin McClintock from Feel Strong Fitness. Thank you so much for tuning in, downloading, pressing all the buttons to get me in your ears. I wanted to talk today about placebos and snake oil and being your own scientist. We get a lot of questions about new fitness classes, new pieces of fitness gear, clients, friends, people we know, friends of friends of friends will send us messages of a supplement or a piece of gear or a new fitness class, sort of fitness modality, and ask what we think about it. Uh, And I totally love this stuff. Uh, We are very open-minded. There is no canon. Uh, We try really hard to not be zealots here. There's room for lots of things in the fitness sphere and the nutrition sphere. And a lot of this stuff is sort of variants on things that have happened before or versions of other things. So just because it's new to you doesn't necessarily mean that it's brand new. There's not a lot new under the sun, but there's cool variations that come along. There's also bad things that happen or things that take advantage of people, things that just simply don't work, things that are designed to steal your money. We're generally not in favor of the snake oil stuff because it's bad for people, it takes advantage of people, uh, and we have a real problem with that. So what are we talking about? There is the new fitness modality, new class, new kind of way of doing fitness. And these come and go if you've been in the fitness sphere for a little while or even just have your, you know, been around for a little while paying attention to this stuff, you will have seen it come and go. Uh, I remember when yoga was relatively new, when it was unusual to know people who practiced yoga and now yoga is everywhere and yoga has all of its variants the hot yoga and the the many variations on yoga that there are and studios dedicated to their specific practices. Uh, Shout out to all the yoga practitioners right now. I'm laying this down in COVID times and yoga studios are having a really hard time. But yoga stretching those variants, whether or not they have a spiritual element to them, whether or not they have a fitness, get your sweat on element to them. Let's put all of yoga in one place. We have dance inspired workouts come and go with some regularity. I'm old enough to remember jazzercise. Jazzercise was a real thing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, get on YouTube. There's some great videos. But people doing what in the 80s were called aerobics basically body weight in place movements, very similar to a boot camp set up today. Hey, look, everything comes around. But Jazzercise was a branded thing that happened. Uh, more recently, P90X, the at home, you know, just with a, you know, a dumbbell or two dumbbells, basically a piece of equipment. You follow along to the, the DVD and it, there's every fitness trainer and their mom under the sun has had their own DVD or series of DVDs, very niche stuff from certainly the Jillian Michaels, but long before there was, you know, Richard Simmons and, um, uh, oh, she just went out of my head. I don't know who I'm trying to think of, but uh, Jane Fonda, that's why I was thinking of Jane Fonda, the queen. Love it. Uh, and Jane Fonda's stuff is great. If you look back, she was doing a lot of the stuff we still tell people to do in a very accessible way. All this stuff is totally cool. You could also lump in uh, if people remember circuit training early circuit training was relatively new there was a there was a company a gym dedicated to circuit training for women if you remember curves i would say pre crossfit in my uh, slightly uneducated view of the fitness world 
curves, I think, was the fastest growing gym phenomenon before CrossFit came along. And it was sort of a, a half a generation before CrossFit, but it was an all, it was a gym designed for women. And it was the machines were set up in a circle and a, a small group would go jump machine to machine to machine and kind of follow each other around the circuit. Totally worked, totally cool. And of course, CrossFit, as I just mentioned, uh, a new modality, new class, new way of doing things. Just as a example of when people come with a new modality, a new class, have you heard of this? The chances, maybe I've heard of it, maybe I haven't, but it's almost definitely similar to another thing. That doesn't make it bad, and nor does it make it a thing you shouldn't do. I would actually say exactly the opposite. It's entirely possible this is a great idea because it's like these other things that have worked before. Another category of stuff we get a lot of questions are is gear, sort of stuff, the stuff that goes along with things. And every generation has its stuff, you know, every year, a couple of years, there's some fitness stuff that comes along. If uh, my generation growing up, all of my mom's friends bought treadmills, treadmills were a thing to have around. Uh, a lot of them ended up being drying racks, basically, but lots of people had treadmills in their uh, living room or uh, sitting room, if you like. After treadmills, sort of the, the skiers, the Nordic track was the most successful and well-known of these, but basically a stand-on skiing machine, very similar to an elliptical. Uh, it followed up on some studies saying that cross-country skiing was even healthier for you, partly because of the really low impact. And there was a whole a niche of the fitness economy that boomed on cross-country skiing machines. If people remember the Bowflex, the giant at-home curved pieces of metal and plastic, I think it was an alloy that you could set your resistance to. And it was, you know, a little bit of a, a silly machine, but boy, those infomercials were great. And smaller versions of this, there's, you know, thigh masters back in the day and the perfect push-up. And, you know, these small things that will fix everything. Modern day, certainly there's the Peloton. They have the content that goes along with that. But a lot of these things did come with, you know, videos or DVDs or something like that. Peloton's content library is just mammoth and very impressive. So that's sort of another arm to that thing. With this gear, I would also lap in your, your fitness trackers, just to call that broadly. Uh, lots of these are wrist-based. There are some rings, there are some chest straps, there are some apps on your phone, various things. But do you think I should use this? The answer is maybe, and it's almost definitely similar to something else we know. Finally, nutrition. Uh, nutrition, we have all of the fad diets that come and go, and these, you know, every couple of years something catches fire. Uh, there was low fat, and then there was uh, low carb. We've certainly had keto. We have the intermittent fasting folks. We have the if it fits your macros folks. I remember when paleo was huge. I remember when zone was a thing, South Beach diet, Whole30, all this stuff. They all work on often very similar principles. So it entirely may work for you. Last part in that nutrition is supplements, right? This is always the thing. The new cool XYZ supplement, whether it's a pill or a powder or a, a some sort of topical application. Diet pills kind of rule the roost here. And I would put like fat burners in with diet pills, whether we're talking quote unquote thermogenics, fat burners, appetite suppressants, uh, pre-workout kind of toes the line in here sometimes, depending on what people are using it for, or what's in it. Uh, all of the many protein 
and protein variations with different ways to consume protein, um, smaller pieces of protein, BCAAs and things like that, and then carbohydrate drinks, usually geared toward recovery or sort of mass gainer, uh, put on muscle, get more calories quick kind of way. Those are usually the two ways that the carbohydrate uh, powders, drinks, etc. diverge. Either recovery, sort of hydration plus electrolytes, your Gatorade, your Vitargo, your Waxy Maze, stuff like that. Or mass gainer, which is usually just uh, lots of cheap carbohydrates synthesized down to a form with a little bit of flavoring so it doesn't taste terrible. All of this stuff. You have a new thing you want to do. You have a new workout. You have a piece of gear. You have a nutritional plan. You have a diet. You have a supplement. You think you want to do it. Your your favorite influencer said it was cool. You saw a bunch of people doing it. You've seen celebrities doing it. You saw people you really trust and respect at the gym using it. Ask yourself a couple of questions. Number one, is it safe? Is it safe? And is it safe for you? Right? There are certainly kinds of exercise, especially intense exercise, that if you have a certain heart condition or respiratory condition is definitely not suggested. But if you don't have those heart conditions or respiratory conditions, it's probably fine for you. So is the thing safe for you? Is the uh, fitness modality safe? How does it treat other people? How do people come out? And actually, like, do a little work and do some research. You know, jump in. You can use your, if it seems uh, obviously unsafe to you and doesn't appeal to you and it's a turnoff, there's probably not a big reason to do it. Certainly some things can be intimidating or just not seem right to you. For whatever reason, You, it kind of has to click with you, the thing you're going to do. And if when you walk in, you're immediately turned off, that's okay. Turn around, keep going. It's not the end of the world if you walk away from this. If you still want to stay, then do a little research and, and see if anyone's done some studies. See if people have actually looked at this thing. Colleges especially. Sports scientists love doing research on people working out, especially new modalities, especially things that are popular because those, that can be easier to be published. So check it out. If you have questions, it's entirely possible someone's done studies on it. Definitely nutritional and supplements. People have almost certainly done studies on it. Figure out what you know what's going on especially with supplements, this can be tricky because in order to figure out if the thing is safe, you have to know what you're consuming. And if what you're consuming is listed as a series of proprietary blends, you have no idea what you're consuming. Hint, if what you're consuming is a series of proprietary blends, walk away. They don't want to tell you what they're asking you to put in your body. It's really bad news. Walk away from it. So you've determined that you think it's safe. Are you being taken advantage of? This is a really big one for us. We have a chip on our shoulder against people who take advantage of other people, especially people who are a little bit desperate or a little bit seeking or feel like they don't have all the knowledge they need and are reaching out looking for help to solve a problem that's very important to them. This is where the fitness and diet industry makes a lot of its money. Bad actors taking advantage of people. If you are being asked to sign up for a subscription service for a year or two years or more than that, we've seen more than that. If you are being asked to shell out huge amounts of money before you see anything, if you are being asked to 
commit to things that don't seem quite right to you and you can't get good answers to your questions, these are excellent signs that someone is trying to take advantage of you. You can ask reasonable questions. You can ask for reasonable things. If someone says, all right, well, I think you're perfect for a plan uh, to solve your problem. You, I think you need four months of one-on-one -on -one personal training with me, three days a week, and I need you to pay it all up front. That's going to be $8,000. And I haven't done the math in my head. I just rattled those numbers off. $8,000 may well be a reasonable number for that number of sessions, depending on the person and the product and the value they're delivering and all of that. If that sets you back in your heels and you're like, well, I don't know if I'm going to like this. I don't, I, I don't think I can do that. I think it's reasonable to ask for a little proof, whether it's social proof or testimonials, or if they're willing to put some sort of guarantee on it or a get out of jail free clause, or a, if I get 14 days into this, can I bail? Or maybe, you know, I, I hear you and I understand that I need 60 days to do it. I'm not sure this is the thing for me. Can I come take one session and make sure I dig it? And if they're not willing to train you for one session, which you would pay for, I'm not suggesting that you get this for free, it's a free trial, but if they're not willing to train you for a session to prove the worth and show you where they're gonna go for the other 59 sessions, then I think it's perfectly reasonable to walk away. Always look out. Skepticism is really healthy. There's plenty of good people trying to do really good work in the health and fitness and wellness and nutrition space. There's also lots of people who, whether they mean it or not, are doing bad work and are taking advantage of people. Related to that, for all of this stuff, new fitness classes, gear, nutrition stuff, can you afford it? Are you gonna be backing yourself into a corner? Are you putting yourself in a dire financial place by doing this thing? Related to that, what is the cost of doing it? These are tied intimately together. And the cost isn't just the financial outlay. Maybe this new class that you're excited to go to at the gym uh, costs an extra $35 a month. So it takes you from uh, $200 a month to $235 a month, just for using round numbers. How does that affect your budget? If it's no big deal, if it's going to be easy or maybe a small sacrifice, maybe you eat out one less day a month for a month of gym membership for this class you're excited about, maybe that's entirely worth it to you. What kind of time commitment is this going to be? What kind of social commitment is this going to be? If you're committing to a new diet that's super restrictive and won't let you have any you know, particular fats or certain carbohydrates and you can't have anything fried and you're not allowed to have this list of grains, it's going to make it fairly challenging for you to go out in social situations if you're planning to go out and eat and drink is what I'm referring to. Birthday cake is probably not happening at the party you're going to. That is a cost. It may or may not be a reasonable cost to you. It may or may not be something you're willing to do. We have certainly coached lots of people through dealing with social situations in which they're trying to stick to a certain diet or set of macros or nutritional template, etc., etc. If you're doing that and that cost is worth it to you, then fine. But you should know going in. You should know what the cost is going to be. It's no fun being caught out and not understanding what the cost of this is financially and otherwise. What is the cost of not doing it? There's this thing you want to do. Okay, if you don't do it, what's going to happen? What, what is the bad outcome or what is the outcome 
of you not taking, let's say, advantage of this opportunity, of this class, of getting this piece of gear, of trying this new diet, of purchasing this new supplement. If you don't do it, what's going to happen? Will you stay exactly as you are? Have you already started three other new ventures? So you actually don't know how those are working yet. So maybe pouring one more thing on top is going to actually confuse things. You won't know what's working. It's. I think it's really useful to try and ask yourself, what is the cost of not doing it? What's the cost of inaction? And the cost of inaction may well be unacceptable. And that's where if we're talking to people about one-on-one training, whether it's one-on-one online or in person, sometimes we will bring up the cost of inaction because people have been spinning their wheels for sometimes years. People have come to us having had problems they've been wrestling with for three, four, five years, sometimes longer. And they're worried about it, how it's going to take two months to get results. And then we just say, okay, well, what's the cost of not starting now? If you don't start now, you can certainly do other things or pursue these other goals or these more affordable options. If you don't do what we're suggesting you do in, under our direction, what, what do you think the cost will be of not doing that? And usually it's, well, I will remain exactly where I am, which is generally not super happy. You know, there's a problem that I've recognized that needs to be solved, which is why I'm talking to you. What is the cost of not doing it? Also, the cost of not doing it, especially with supplements, especially with fitness gear, sometimes these things offer distinct advantages, but very tiny advantages. And this is where, I don't like talking about this, but for like a bodybuilder physique competitor, someone who is like in show week, this is someone who possibly, very particularly, a thermogenic supplement might be useful. What? Gasp? Oh no. But Justin, you said those were all garbage. They are garbage. They operate in very small mechanisms. What they do is not fat burning. What they do is raise your body temperature slightly. They dehydrate you a little bit. But if you are a bodybuilding physique competitor in a traditional physique show, uh, let's say you are a male, you are trying to get to 5% body fat. Now you're only gonna stay there for a couple of days and then we're gonna start feeling you full of food again because you're weak and you're dehydrated and you feel very bad and you're having a hard time seeing because physique competition is really hard, that is a situation where a thermogenic supplement may actually be useful. It's a very tiny, very precise, very specific application that doesn't apply to 99% of the population. And the fact that your favorite bodybuilding competitor endorses it, they may well use it, but they don't use it like you think they use it. Ditto for knowing your heart rate during certain uh, kinds of weightlifting. Is it useful? Maybe, but what, what advantage? What are you taking from this? What are you going to adjust? What are you gonna change now that you know the information? Understand the advantage that you may get from these things and understand that sometimes it's very, very small. Lots of nutritional supplements fall into this. I'm not gonna dive down the rabbit hole of certain kinds of protein and what kind of whey protein you use and what kind of, but often, it's easy to fall down the rabbit hole of getting complicated and finding the perfect, perfect, perfect version of something. And it's important to understand that a lot of times we are talking about tiny pieces of a decimal point advantage. On top of all of this, we are a big fan of being your own scientist. If you wanna try something 
and we've gone through this checklist. You know that it's safe, you understand the risks, you're not being taken advantage of, you can afford it, you understand what it's going to cost you financially, socially, time, commitment, mental energy, all that stuff. You think there's a cost associated with not doing it that is at least to some degree unacceptable. Super great. Be your own scientist. Notice things. Track things. If you're not keeping a workout log and you want to change your workout and try and get results, how are you going to know how you're doing? If you are worried about your sleep and you want to fix your sleep, but you're not tracking your sleep, how are you going to know when it gets better? When you have one day that feels pretty good, it's really important to know why it feels good. What's the context of this? What did you eat? How was your day? What was your stress level? What time did you go to bed? How noisy was it? Did it get darker? Did it get cooler? Did you get a new pillow? What's going on? I love, love, love playing with stuff because people respond to different things. You are not the general public. You're a person. You're an individual and you will react specifically and you may well find things that work great for you. This comes up, I just mentioned sleep. We have work with sleep supplements sometimes. Some people respond incredibly to ZMA and not at all to melatonin. Or even worse, maybe melatonin gives them screaming nightmares. Other people, melatonin lets them sleep like a baby and they love it. This works for this person, not for this person. Milk, cow's milk. I, I am lactose intolerant. Milk does nothing good for me. It is super bad news. I can't hang with it. Ruins my whole day. I wish it wasn't true. If I was you know, a corn-fed farm boy who could drink milk, a really high-quality protein source that's super available, and just like generally, especially with skim milk, you can get a bunch of protein and not the fat along with it, though even the fat ones is like, it's not that much fat. Man, I wish I could drink milk. Maybe it works for you. Maybe it doesn't. If you're generally feeling bloated, tired, all that stuff, we will often, with nutrition stuff, start with a very light restriction diet, like taking out one thing. Hey, uh, I heard legumes weren't good for you. We'll get that sometimes, especially from the paleo zone crowd. Sometimes the whole 30 crowd, because there's a lot of crossover there. I hear legumes aren't good for you. Well, that's not true. Legumes are good for me, I think, because I played with it and experimented with it. But some people react fairly poorly to it in ways that you may not recognize at once. If you care, let's take all legumes out of your diet. And we talk about what that is and how to do it and what legumes are and why you can't eat peanuts. We're going to take it out for 21 days and see how you feel. And if we do that and don't change anything else, we're trying to be our own scientist here. Don't change nine things. Take it out, 21 days. How do you feel? Uh, pretty much the same. I don't notice any difference. I don't, I don't feel worse, but I don't feel better. Oh, you know what? I don't think it was the legumes. Put them back in. We have legumes. A few days go by. How do you feel? Uh, pretty much the same. Great. It wasn't that. And whatever your evil diet thing is, this works for it. Maybe you respond to it, maybe you don't. Whether it's processed carbs or, or intra-workout shakes, whatever it is, this works for gear. Hey, my friend has this, you know, this piece of fitness gear and they love it. It's changed their life. They get their steps in or they were able to really dial in their workouts. They feel like their running is more efficient. It's the perfect thing. They won't stop talking about it. Great. If it passes the checklist, try it out. Maybe it works for you, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe that person found the thing that works for them. Talking to someone who has experience with a lot of this stuff can be really helpful, uh, especially with the gear and nutrition, but even with the exercise classes. 
people will come to me. You know, I my full time job. I work at a CrossFit gym. We also do weightlifting, powerlifting, that kind of stuff. But people will come and ask my opinion on Orange Theory. I love Orange Theory. I think it's really solid. Depending on who you are, your training history, what kind of workout you're looking for, what kind of results you're looking for, how you do with group classes, all of that stuff. There are lots of people that Orange Theory works really, really well for. There's also people who are not going to like it. And I tell them going in, you want to try it out? It passes the checklist? Great. Um, please don't be super surprised if three months from now you feel a little bored because of your personality, training history, the kind of stuff you've done, I won't be that surprised. It's okay. Go have a great three months. And then here's where I would suggest we go from there. I have absolutely talked people out of joining my gym because it's not the right situation for them. If people are really intimidated by groups and they don't like the loud music and they're afraid of moving weight and they always think they're going to get hurt and they are very self-conscious of people being around. The place I work is amazing. Uh, really, really supportive community. People are wonderful to each other. And I've still had people tell me they were intimidated or thought maybe someone was laughing at them when I know for sure it wasn't true. That's just sort of how they're made up. We can adjust. And what we do is, well, I, maybe this isn't the class for you, but I think some one-on-one work or like semi-private work. What if you bring in your two friends and we work out together, and I show you guys what to do. We'll do that for a few weeks and then get you back in. Great. Is that the answer for everyone? No. Was it the answer for this person? Yes. It worked like a charm. Four weeks in, they were loving it. Started taking group classes again. Every once in a while, we come back and do a semi-private thing just to tune up, have fun, because they really like it. That was the way in for them. On top of all of this, being your own scientist, avoiding the snake oil, and there's a lot of snake oil out there, Remember that the basics work really well. You're looking for a fitness class thing. Resistance training will always win. If you want some cardio also, the resistance training should come first. And then the cardio piece. Or if it's a metabolic conditioning piece, maybe some swinging weights and doing cardio that way. Strength training wins. You should have some resistance training in your life. Fitness gear, most of it you don't need. If you have to buy one thing, I would say probably a kettlebell. If you can buy two things, it would probably be two dumbbells. The next thing I would ask you to buy is probably like a resistance band, if we can only do one thing. If you have some money and some room, now we would talk squat rack, barbell, pull-up bar, bench. That's the kind of stuff. It's not going to be a treadmill. It's not going to be a fun bike. It's not going to be a cool fitness tracker. Nutritionally, you know, eat whole foods. Cook most of your food, be aware of quantity, keep your plate as colorful as possible, notice how you feel when you eat things. You know, pay attention to how your food tastes, pay attention to how often you're chewing, pay attention to how you feel afterward. Notice these things, it will have a great effect on your life. Drink lots of water, watch out for sugar. It's pretty standard. It's a lot of stuff you already know. So if you hit the basics, the basics will work really well. And then you can dig into being your own scientist. You're an N of one, and it's a lot of fun to play around. Thank you so much for listening to this slightly longer than planned Feel Strong Fitness podcast. I'm Justin McClintock. I really appreciate all of you. Wherever you are, whether you're shut down, whether you can get to a gym or can't get to a gym, thank you so much for your support and know that we are here to support you. 
We want you to look good, but we also want you to live loud. And at the end of the day, I want you to feel strong. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. Please visit us at feelstrong.me. DM us at feelstrongfit on Instagram to get started or just pick our brain. If you could rate and review us on iTunes, five stars, write something. It makes a big difference, folks. We don't work with everyone, but we'll talk to anyone. If you're ready to get started today, get in touch. Thank you again and feel strong.